And when I speak to kids, you know, I go to schools and speak to youngsters. And the first thing they want to know is, when did you make your first million? What kind of car you drive? Where do you live? Where do you vacation? Where do you spend your money? That's not what they need to know. What they need to know is the hustle, the commitment, the staying focused, the staying disciplined, and you should be lucky to be in the right spot. And if you're not lucky this way, this time around, you'll be lucky the next time around. So put yourself in a position where you can be lucky. It's not what you know or who you know, it's who knows you. You know, Beethoven, when you reached out to me, I'm a busy guy, very, very busy. But you know, when you reached out to me, I had a commitment to doing this podcast with you because you made me realize that you are fascinated with my life. And if we can use this podcast to inspire and motivate many more youngsters, instead of us just watching them be incarcerated, let's watch them grow and learn and walk in our footprints or do it better than we did it because they're gonna be smarter and much more efficient. We're starting a conversation right away, Ricky. I think for me, this this conversation I want I wanted to have for so long because I think you're not the norm. So I want to have the conversation to talk about your process and how you keep it going and how you keep on hustling no matter what. So today we have Ricky Wade. I'm happy to be here. Happy to be here. The one and only Ricky Wade, man. Thank you for coming, man. So let's get right into it so we can unpack your process, man. Ricky Wade, born and raised where? Kingston, Jamaica. Proud Jamaican. As a matter of fact, we just uh, celebrated 60 years of of independence. Yeah. What does that mean to you? Oh, that means a lot. I mean, uh, we were under British rule for so long. And as Jamaican people, you know, you know, you know, folks from all different nations that came together to call Jamaica home. Uh, it's good to be independent and do things our way and have our money represent our leaders and our forefathers of the country, et cetera. So I just think that, you know, as America, you know, it speaks about freedom. Uh, independence is freedom. So there's two different cultures. So there's the Jamaican culture and there's the Kingston culture. Well, what, you know, uh, tell you know, me what you so, feel so, about so, that. So listen, I mean, uh, you know, you know, different people have different ways of looking at it, but I've always said that if you're from Kingston or you're from the country, uh, which is uh, you know another parish, uh, you know, across the country, you're still a Jamaican, and uh, you know, you know, you know, I, I just don't like segmenting things. I, you know, I think that Jamaica Kingston may be a little bit more progressive because it's 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 really is the main. Uh, the main city, and uh, it's you know there's more progression there uh, because everything is more current and relevant there. But you know what? If you're from the country in Jamaica, you're relevant too. So what it, what was what was it like growing up in Jamaica? 
Well, you know, it, it, it you know, Jamaica is a, a different way of life. Uh, you know, a lot of people are always saying that it's cool runnings. It's, you know, no problem, no pressure. It, it It's a very stress-free country. I mean, even with the, the vast poverty, you know, nobody will starve in Jamaica because, you know, there's food from the land. Uh, but, you know, growing up in Jamaica was good because, you know, I... Uh, you know, you, you get more independence very early in life. And uh, the education is great, provided you stick with it. And, uh, you know, you have more family roots. And just like any other place, you know, generations change from generation to generation. Uh, you know, I like to consider myself extremely traditional uh, because I was raised on some traditional values and I like to keep it. Now, when I look at my son, that's a millennial. <laughs> and uh, my granddaughters that are Gen Alphas, you know, you know, I mean, they they operate totally different. Totally different. However, they're still my bloodline. So, so did you mother and father in the house? No. So I grew up. Uh, my mom was a single mom. My father was around, but my father died when uh, we were young, and uh, he died in a plane crash. And uh, but my mother taught me everything that I know. And my mother was absolutely a trooper. And did a great job raising their three kids. I was going to ask, br brother and sister, like, what was so it three? I have one brother and one sister, you know, on my mom's side. Then I have a couple more half-brothers <laughs> and, and a half-sister. And your dad's side. my dad's side. You know what I mean? You know, fathers from way back, you know, they did things a little bit different. They're a little different. I understand. I, understand. I don't want to call them roamers, but, you know, they they lived a different life. Yeah, I, I understand the West Indian culture. It's a little well, different yeah, right. than... Um, but how was that? You know, did you, how was school in Jamaica? Were you a student in Jamaica? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. And, and I tell you, you know, you asked me how it was like to grow up in Jamaica. I, I grew up uh, because you see so much poverty in Jamaica. I grew up with a drive that I wanted to make sure that my family and, you know, when I raised my kids, that I would be able to give them any opportunities that they need and give them as much exposure as I can give them. So I made a commitment to marrying right, working right, and keeping the hustle going because life's about a hustle. So when you say those things, those are those are big key points, man. When you say marrying right, right, what does that mean? Well, you know, marrying someone, you're not only marrying for love. Love is a key component of marriage, but you're marrying someone who shares the same values that you share that share the same vision for raising a family that you share, uh, has the same ambition that you may have, and that there are similarities there. But understand the culture of family because, you know, you heard me tell you earlier, you know, I'm a traditional man, and, and I'm going to die a traditional man. And to me, tradition and family is everything. So do you believe that your mom instilled that in you early? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we stuck together from an early stage. And, uh, you know, my mom was not wealthy. But, you know, we never starved. We always had food. We always had shelter. We always had clothing. So to me, uh, you, know, you know, when a woman in, in, in that kind of a culture, that's a single mom maneuvering in a very chauvinistic culture and doing well, that's a beautiful thing. What did she do? So my mom uh, was very extensively involved in politics. And then she took a 180 degree turn and got extremely involved in helping poor people, 
and being involved in a religion. Uh, you know, she switched her religion, her, her religious groups probably three times. She started as a Catholic, then went to a uh, being an Anglican, then went to being as a Christian, and then she ended her, her special years before she passed uh, as a Seventh-day Adventist. And the the adjustment of religion, you believe, did that affect you at all or was it? No, because I, I just wanted my mom to be happy. And she was extremely happy of being a Seventh-day Adventist. And uh, and that's what she closed out her life as, you know. You know, she, they, they made her feel uh, value added. She enjoyed working with poor people. She enjoyed helping kids that I want opportunity to get a good education. Uh, she loved to take care of seniors that were ill, that could not afford medication. So she was an advocate in, in, in many of those respects. She, she gave everything and she gave what she did not even have. That's powerful. I think I want to go back a little bit when you said, when you made a decision that you are committing for a better lifestyle, more success. When was that and how did you come about that? So, you know, it's, you know, I was not the typical uh, young man. I made that decision at, at age 12, you know, cause I saw my, my mom. I could, I could look at my mom and see sometimes uh, where she wished she could do more for us. You know, a lot of her siblings were very well off. And, uh, you know, when we had family get togethers, you know, I knew, I knew some things hurt her because she would love to do for her kids like what she saw her siblings doing for their kids. And I saw it in her face. And I told her when I was 12, I said, Mommy, one day Ricky will be your Aunt Pat. You know, because my Aunt Pat was the wealthiest of all of her siblings and always threw big, lavish parties and Christmas dinners and every holiday. And, uh, and I told her that, that was my focus because I wanted her to understand that it's not only how much money you have, it's the drive, the discipline, the focus, and being lucky that's going to take you places in life. And at 12, what did you start doing to get ready for the next chapter? So I, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing you ask that question because I spent a lot of time with older folks. Wisdom. Uh, I, uh, I, I really didn't hang out with a lot of kids my age apart from sports. And the reason why I did that is because A, I had to have an admiration for an individual, for something that they did. And then I wanted to get close to them so I could walk in their footprints and, and learn from them. And I've always said it's okay to, steam sh to steal shamelessly because if somebody is doing something right and it's working, why not try to replicate it? Why try to reinvent the wheel? Why try to make things complicated and difficult when it could be easy? You know, we all use the GPS today because that was created. But we use the GPS to navigate ourselves get from point A to point B in an efficient manner. Knowledge is the same thing, my friend. It's not what you know, who you know, it's who knows you. And so I've always believed in that philosophy. And you know, I've been lucky, very, very lucky to be where I'm at today. Uh, but I've been very focused, very driven, and I'm always in the zone. So when you were 12, 13, you know, growing up in Jamaica, did you start positioning yourself since then? So I tell you, I... Uh, I had my first business when I was 14. Doing what? Cutting grass. Okay. Then at age 15, I, I, I still cut grass, but I went and started at a disco service where 
we played for your parties and you know it was just a blast but that was how my head was that's how i was wired i was wired to take advantage of demand you know what you saw as demand and when i was young there's a lot of parties a lot of fets you know i mean a lot of high school parties and they always need a dj and uh, if you played good music as today is you can certainly get a great audience it all depends on the kind of music you're playing. So, you know, that led me and create a foundational platform for me to understand that, you know, being in business for yourself, you can build generational wealth. When you work for someone, you may live a great life. You may even feel rich, but you're not really building wealth. So you already felt that and understood that oh, back l- then. Listen, man, listen, you know, they, they, they've always said that the tribulations you go through in life help direct you where you need to be. And so, uh, you know, I, I knew what I wanted. Now, you know, I'm not the typical individual because some people may say I sacrificed too much to get to where I'm at. And, uh, and I still, you know, I still work the same way I worked 30, 40 years ago. Why? Because what you have today can be gone tomorrow. And so if you want to keep it in front of you, you got to make sure it wants to be in front of you. When, when did you make the decision to come to the U.S.? So I came to the U.S. when I was eight and we migrated. And, uh, and you know, I came to the U.S. and I wanted to be an airline pilot like my dad. And my father actually died in a plane crash when I was 18. And, uh, and so that took a different spin. And, you know, you heard me say about being in the right place at the right time. I just happened to be in a McDonald's restaurant and I got a chance to speak to an executive called Fred Collins. And, uh, you know, in speaking to the young, that man, I mean, he just inspired me. How old were you when that happened? I was 19. When you first had your first conversation? My, no, my first conversation, my first job, my first real job. For, came and, from Jamaica, uh, got yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, but I was flying. I was at a flying school uh, in Miami at Miami Airport. But, you know, when I got my first job, I really enjoyed it. And, you know, and I tell people, sometimes people have this stereotype or there was this facade that working for a fast food, any fast food, that it's a, it's the bottom of the barrel, it's a grease trap. Listen, if that was a grease trap, I want to always be greasy, if that's the case. But I'll tell you, you know, I, I did that. My, my wife did it. Uh, that's where I met my wife. You know, we worked hard. We worked smart. And, uh, you know, when, you, when you're with a brand like McDonald's, uh, you know, people don't, you know, McDonald's doesn't toot their own horn, but McDonald's is one of the American icon brands and McDonald's has created more millionaires than a lot of companies that are Fortune 500 companies. They have done a lot for minority folks. They have been speaking diversity forever. So, you know, when you hear diversity, equity, and inclusion, McDonald's has been singing that song for a long time because, you know, they understood, they, they saw who their staff was, you know, they saw who their consumers are. We, we open our doors, we're opening our doors to everybody. So you have to be inclusive. We're opening up our doors to a diverse group, especially in South Florida. So you got to think that diverse is a priority. And, you know, an equity is when you make your people feel like they belong. So I want to, I want to, for, for those that don't know, we just got into it, started talking. 
for those that are watching that don't know, you are the owner of an operator of McDonald's. Yes, Explain. I'm a McDonald's franchisee, and uh, McDonald's Corp is a franchisor. And uh, we own and operate restaurants from Boca Raton to Fort Pierce. How many McDonald's now? So we have 28. Yeah. So 20. So you started. So now this is going to get good. You started off at 18 years old with your first job in the 19, New York. 19. 19, yes. And now you're the owner and operator of 28 McDonald's. From so what does that tell you about the brand being McDonald's? It I want you to you, tell me what that looks like. It tells you that and I, I'm, I'm, I'm just a witness. Mm-hmm. I've lived it. I've lived the American dream because the McDonald's brand has allowed me to live the American dream. Uh, you know, McDonald's has, you know, my first thoughts were to be as a corporate executive with a company. That's where my, and my wife talking about the values and sharing the same views and core values. My wife said, you know, Ricky, we may be better served as a family with us becoming franchisees. And at first, I was totally opposed to it. But the more I thought about it, the more it made sense. So when we had the opportunity to, because this great brand called McDonald's has allowed us to, we jumped all over it. And we have never looked back. And I am proud to be a McDonald's franchisee. I am proud to be a part of this great brand called McDonald's. And McDonald's has taught me a lot, but I've worked for it. I've earned everything that I have. We have, myself, my wife. So I think for me, I want to go in a little deeper from the foundation. How old were you guys? So you got in there at 19. You met her working in McDonald's. Yeah, and then we got married not too long after. And uh, like What does that timeline look like? Because you say you had to pick yeah, well, right. I, so. I, got, I got married at, uh, I think, age 24 to my wife. and uh, What made you... Pick her. Well, and what's we, her name? I'm sorry, her I don't name want... is Lisette. And what uh, made you pick Lisette as the one? You know, that well, was... you know, you know, I was a typical young man. You know, she was beautiful. <laughs> you started smiling. You know, you know, you know, you know. I thought it was love at first sight. It was love at first sight, and uh, you know, we have been. You know, we spent a lot of times. You know, having picnics and speaking about what the future looks like. Uh, we went to places and envisioned what it would be like. To live like that. And we just stayed focused on our purpose, our vision, and our mission. And our vision was to raise a very successful family and to do it centered about love and family values. And we have done that. And uh, so, you know, we have, you know, I have three great kids. And, uh, you know, my eldest daughter, you know, gave us two granddaughters, and my middle daughter is involved in my business now as a next generation candidate uh, to be a franchisee. Uh, She actually opened up, uh, you know, I gave her, you know, great steaks in the newest restaurant we have in Delray. We call it Delray West. And so, you know, you know, she, it's the entity is Dash Legacy because her name is Devon Ashley. So it's Dash Legacy because she wants to keep the legacy going. Inc. And uh, she'll take from there my son, just graduated last year with his master's in finance, double major undergrad. And uh, he's now just enrolled now with NYU to get his MBA in real estate. Uh, so we hope he comes on board with us. If he doesn't, he'll have his own life. 
I think that's a beautiful thing, but I, I want to, once again, I, I want to keep on going and from the start to get to the present and quickly, cause I know your timing is valuable. Also, when, when she gave you that, Hey, we should look into this. What did you do so right I'm gonna away? Tell you, so I'm going to tell you, so we were in Raleigh, North Carolina, cause I got relocated to Raleigh and we relocated as a family with this beautiful brand called McDonald's and uh, it was 1998. She made that comment to me about, uh, Ricky, you know, we're young. We should look at becoming franchisees because I was working with the franchisees then working for the corporation. And, uh, you, know, you know, the more I spoke to some of these franchisees, the more I said, you know. It's attainable. This is something that would be a beautiful thing. But I always was of the mindset that McDonald's would not allow me to. So I spoke to the division president. Her name was Deborah Koenig, my field vice president, Karen King. And they said, Ricky, if this is the dream you want to chase, we'll help you attain it. So guess what? It was April the 17th, 2001, that we became franchisees of seven restaurants in Palm Beach County. Seven at one time? Seven at one time. Listen, man, I was leveraged like there could be no more leverage. We ate quarter pounds with cheese for lunch, a Big Mac for dinner, and an Egg McMuffin for breakfast for many years, for like the first two years, uh, you know, because, you know, we were leveraged, but it was the best leveraged process to go through. It kept us humble. Uh, it kept us grounded. And it made us put ourselves off to a great running start. And we've never looked back. How important was the hustle in that process? Hey, the, the hustle was everything. And, uh, you know, when I speak to kids at different business schools, whether it's Lynn University or FAU or Palm Beach State College, and or I speak at the Urban League, which I'm the chair at, or any organization that I'm trying to inspire youth that want to have an opportunity in life that's smart and hungry for it, I tell them that, you got to get up with a hustle mindset and you got to go to bed thinking about the next day's hustle. So you have a jump start. So when you wake up, you can just hit the road running, but you got to hustle. And you heard me say earlier, it's not what you know, who you know, it's who knows you. You know, my mom that I spoke about earlier, always, cause I was a selfish kid when I was younger. And she always told me, Ricky, the more you help and the more you share the more will come back to you. And the more you achieve, much will be expected of you. And, you know, my mom passed in the early 2000s. And I made it a point to maintain those values. And I've lived by it. I, I am possibly, I'm not a typical franchisee or a QSR owner. I'm very rooted in my community. And I try, and everything that I get involved with is things that provide scholarships for kids that may be coming from very, very, very humble beginnings that have the smarts to do anything they can to help them get that jump start. So I'm all about scholarships. I'm all about shelter. I'm all about food that way nobody starves. And I'm all about helping to provide opportunity for anyone that's of a diversity background, and when I say diversity, that includes whites. If you have the right mindset and the right attitude, 
I want to help you succeed. You just got to be hungry. Not really hungry. You got to be starving to be successful. And I'll be right there with you. The commitment, what level of commitment? What does commitment look like for this? Well, you know, commitment to me is walking the talk, letting your behavior speak for, speak for you. Because I can tell you anything I want to tell you. But my behavior is, is what will convince you. And so, you know, I, I live by that. You know, you know, I'm the chair for the Urban League. Okay, why? Because it addresses diversity. Okay, we just had a kid. That's a part of our new lights. I got a full ride to Harvard University. Powerful. Okay. You know, great. That makes me feel, I wish I went to Harvard. Okay. But if we helped provide an environment and a GPS to help a youngster navigate and get and live their dream and live their American dream and live a successful life, we all should. That's our responsibility. That's our commitment. When it comes, that's, man, Ricky, sheesh, I feel like I need to go out and get a, do something different tomorrow. I think, well, I know for sure, I want to ask you this. What does legacy mean to you? So legacy is everything to me. It's not money. It's legacy. So I'm going to tell you a little background on me here. So I named our company, we named, myself, my wife. So I want everybody to know it's not only Ricky Wade, it's myself, my wife. Beautiful. That's what gives us the force. Uh, we named our company Being the Best Inc. People laughed. Being the Best Inc. But I said two things. When you see that name, you'll never forget it because it's different. But number two, for my staff, when they realize they're working for being the best thing, you should be the best at what you do or try to be the best. Our management company is called Wade's Winners. You don't have to come in first to win. You have to finish what you start to win. And we have another company that owns our buildings, you know, our commercial buildings and our office and stuff like that. It's called Wade's Legacy. Because my legacy has always been to leave for my children the fact that we're not renting, we own. And when you own, you have some footage in the roots, okay? And you know you belong. Nobody can kick you out. The only person kick you out is yourself. So that's what ownership and legacy means to me. You know, I, I told my kids that I, I hate to speak about death, but I don't want anybody to try to write my eulogy. I would have written my eulogy so they can just speak to the accomplishments and what I did, because that's my eulogy. And my eulogy will be my legacy. Well, um, yeah. Very it, powerful. It, it, it's just how it is, my friend. You know, I've always said that, you know, we can decorate what we want to decorate, but we always have to be real. And when I speak to kids, you know, I go to schools and speak to youngsters. And the first thing they want to know is, when did you make your first million? What kind of car you drive? Where do you live? Where do you vacation? Where do you spend your money? That's not what they need to know. What they need to know is the hustle, the commitment, 
to staying focused, to staying disciplined, and you should be lucky to be in the right spot. And if you're not lucky this way, this time around, you'll be let lucky the next time around. So put yourself in a position where you can be lucky. It's not what you know or who you know. It's who knows you. You know, Bethel, when you reached out to me, I'm a busy guy, very, very busy. But you know, when you reached out to me, I had a commitment to doing this podcast with you because you made me realize that you are fascinated with my life. And if we can use this podcast to inspire and motivate many more youngsters, instead of us just watching them be incarcerated, let's watch them grow and learn and walk in our footprints or do it better than we did it because they're going to be smarter and much more efficient. 100%. And I think with with what you're saying, I'm inspired by it because there's a process that you are and now learning more about it from it start off with the decisions that you made early, but the process of actually owning a McDonald's franchise, what does that look like for those that one day want to do that? So, you know, I uh it's a beautiful thing to do. Uh, McDonald's as a matter of fact, McDonald's CEO Chris Kimchensky uh, is working on something new now where he wants to offer franchising opportunities to lower income folks, folks from what's considered to be poverty stricken areas that have worked hard, have saved the little money they have, and are just looking for an opportunity to own something. And so McDonald's has what's called a wretched applicant program where you can apply. And I would encourage anybody to apply because you just never know. You may be lucky. And, you know, McDonald's, you heard me say earlier, McDonald's has probably made more millionaire people of diversity than the average company has because they're committed to diversity. Okay. And so I would encourage anybody. I mean, if your dream is to own a restaurant, you know, go on, you know, the McDonald's.com and fill out the application because you never know what you'll hear. And if you get turned down, don't give up. Or it may not be McDonald's for you, maybe something else for you. It may not be the fast food business for you, maybe some retail. But if you can work for yourself, do it. Because it will help you build long-term legacy wealth. Is is the first process to work at McDonald's or to own a McDonald's? What no, would you no, recommend? No, 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 no. You, you have to learn everything about McDonald's. You got to work in it and you got to convince the franchisor that you are equipped, you are capable, and you are able to run a site. So it's not just write a check. I want to oh, be part of McDonald's. No. McDonald's trusts and they verify. And when they trust and they verify and they give you the green light, you are ready like Freddy. So it's not, here's the money and go. Nope, 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 nope. Doesn't work like that. If you had an opportunity to, I think one of the, the biggest thing for me is, would you hire yourself and why? Well, I absolutely would because A, I'm committed. B, I'm loyal. C, I'm always looking for a better way to get something done more efficiently. D, I'm always trying to educate myself every single day. I want to learn something new. 
And, you know, and the rest is what I consider to be just a standard. I'm all about success. I'm all about legacy. And I'm all about growth. Now, that may mean something different to the to every. If you ask, if I ask you what does wealth mean to you, what is wealth, we may be different on it. You know, but wealth is to me is knowledge. Wealth to me is putting away money and secure that I can raise my family and see my great grandkids and my grandkids off to a great educational start in life and just being able to help and help others succeed. You know, my presence, that's who I am. And if I show up, I'm there for the long term. McDonald's was truly my only true job I've ever had. And it still is my only true job as a franchisee because I'm working it every single day. I get up early and I go to bed late. I don't sleep much because I believe that the more I'm awake is the more I'm in the zone. I'll have enough time to sleep when I'm a dead man. I was going to ask you that. Is there a, such a thing called retirement for you? You know, you know, my wife keeps saying to me, Ricky, we know that we should retire and enjoy our lives and slow down. I don't see it on my radar because I believe that the day you stop putting that mind to work, you know, when something gets stagnant, it spoils, it rots. You know, McDonald's is saying, stay green and growing. Don't be ripe and rot. Yeah. So that's who I am. That's why I'll hire Ricky Wade any day of the week. And every day I get up, I hire Ricky Wade. That's powerful, I just man. can't. I just can't pay Ricky Wade the money he wants. <laughs> right. But I told him, hang in there with me, stick with you. me, and he will see the rewards at the end of the tunnel or the end of the journey. But the journey never ends. Well, I pre Ricky, let me tell you, my brother, I appreciate you. I appreciate you, Beethoven, because you know what? You're doing something to help a lot of folks out there. And, you know, it's good. And I, I don't mean to get cultural. But I always like to see a successful brother. And I walked into your office here today. This is your gig. You work for yourself and you got, you got a good staff. And you got a diverse staff. You know, you got a white guy that works for you. You got a Caribbean guy that works. As a matter of fact, he's Jamaican. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but what I'm saying though is that, you know, you know, you don't realize this, but every podcast you do, you're learning something new. Absolutely. And every podcast you do helps you navigate where you're going to go to the next day or how you're going to approach something. So you're on an ongoing journey of education and knowledge. Absolutely. And you have not lost sight of success and trying to leave a legacy for your children to come if you don't have kids already and for your family. Absolutely. Well, you're determined. You'll do it, Beethoven. I, I believe I will. And I know my team will help also. They're part hey, of it. Well, so, listen, you know, you just asked me earlier if I'd hire Ricky. You hired them. So you must have seen something good in them. Next level. Okay. Absolutely, bro. Thank you, man. Now, I listen, appreciate listen, this. As we say in Jamaica, enough respect. Absolutely. Respect. Bless up to the highest. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, to anyone that's listening to this podcast, uh, I think that, you know, when Beethoven interviewed me over the phone and told me what he wanted me to do, I couldn't wait to do it because he's all about spreading the word. He's all about exposure for everyone. He's all about making sure that we create a better tomorrow than we had yesterday.